Hello. Well, good morning. It is so wonderful to see you all today. Thank you for coming. We appreciate you being here. And before I get started, I want to give a shout out to my mom, who is watching on Facebook Live all the way from Missouri. She is drinking her coffee and watching. So happy Mother's Day, Mom. Well, before we get started today, I wanted to really start us off by doing something interactive, something responsive. So we're going to stand as we read the word of the Lord today. Our responsive reading comes from the book of Psalm 136, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Now, my favorite translation is the New Living, and so that's what we're going to read from. It'll be on the screen for you. My job is going to, read, to be to read the first part. Your job is going to be to read, His faithful love endures forever. So I read the first part. Your job, His faithful love endures forever. Ready? Let's start with verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. Give thanks to him who placed earth on the water. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. The sun to rule the day. And the moon and stars to rule the nights. You may be seated. I hope you heard the passage loud and clear. Did you hear it? His faithful, and he is love. God is faithful, and he is love. That is part of his legacy for us. He has woven this spectacular love story throughout time for us to understand just how much he cares for us. He put it in his word and tucked it into the nooks and crannies of every book of the Bible. And he's active today demonstrating his love for us in amazing ways. I have a story that I want to share with you today, and the picture is going to come up on the screen. The, the man on the left, his name is Cha. He's a youth, and that's his youth pastor on the right. Now, Cha came to the United States when he was in elementary school, and this was actually um, an article that was published last month by the Assemblies of God. So Cha came to the United States as an elementary school student from Burma or Myanmar, and he came um, with his mom and his siblings. His dad stayed back in Myanmar, and it was a difficult transition, but one day one of his friends invited him to church, and that's where he met his youth pastor. He began to attend the church and kept on going there, and, um, and then one summer he was invited to go to their youth camp, and so he went, and that's where he received the Lord as his Savior. But Cha heard something that really rocked his world, and that was that his dad had died back in Myanmar, and it was really, it was really hard for him. So his friend, who originally invited him back to church, invited him over to his house one day. And Cha was talking and discussing about how difficult it was, how hard it was that he didn't have his dad there anymore. And so Cha's dad, who is a native of Honduras, um, really felt in his spirit that he needed to pray for Cha. He needed to pray for him. So he started to pray, and he started to pray in his 
his uh, natural native tongue, which was Spanish. And then he transferred over to English for a few minutes. And then the Spirit told him, start speaking in tongues. Start praying for this boy in tongues. And so as the Spirit began to flood his mind and his, his mouth with what to say and pray over him, Cha began to cry. These tears that just wouldn't stop. And he began to hug on his friend's father in, in such an intense way. And so after, after they prayed, his friend's dad took him aside and said, Cha, what, you know, what happened? Why, are you, why were you crying so much? And, and, and what he said is that you were speaking in my native tongue. My native tongue is called Karen. It's a tonal, uh, a tonal language of Myanmar, an, an, uh, a tribal language. And he said, you know what you told me? You told me in my native tongue that God loves me like a father. So here we have this boy who becomes a Christian but is struggling with the loss of his father. And what does God do? He uses a friend's dad to tell this man that God loves him in his own native language. God is so good. He is faithful and he is love. And he's speaking today trying to remind people of his heart. At the center of who he is, is love. And this story is just one example of how God goes to great lengths today to orchestrate and coordinate things that are beyond what we can imagine to show us that he is a God of love. He doesn't want us to forget. He wants every cell in your body to know about his love. He wants every season of your life to be viewed with the lens of God's love. Because if we don't have God's love, what do we have? Rules, obligations, standards. And those aren't things that draw us to others, uh, draw others to him, or keep us during difficult times in our life, right? Now I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bible, to 1 John 3. And we're going to camp out there for a little bit. Now, 1 John was written by the Apostle John, and as one of Jesus' disciples, he walked and talked with Jesus. He learned from him directly and spent a lot of time one-on-one -on -one with him. In fact, John was one of the disciples that was closest to Jesus. He touched him with his own hands. But by the time he wrote 1 John, he was an old man. Jerusalem had been destroyed years earlier, making Christians scatter throughout the empire. And Christianity at that point had been around for more than a generation. And they were facing a big problem. People were not as committed. Many people were conforming to the world's standards. And people were compromising their faith. There were false teachers who were teaching things that weren't right about the gospel. Sounds like today, right? So what does the book of 1 John do? He talks about core truths to get people back on track. Our verses today are in the portion where John is talking about how God is love. And now I've pieced together a few verses today so we can really hone in on the issue. So let's read 1 John 3, verse 1. See how very much our Heavenly Father loves us, for he allows us to be called his children, and we really are. But the people who belong to this world don't know God, so they don't understand that we are his children. Skip down to verse 11. This is the message we have heard from the beginning. 
we should love one another. Verse 14. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to eternal life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Verse 18. Dear children, let us stop saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. And then let's skip over to 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, surely we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love has been brought to full expression through us. My message for you today is simple. I have three points and I have a very special helper who wants to introduce what those points are. Number one. Number one. Receive God's love. Receive God's love. Number two. Number two. Love God. Love God. And number three. Number three. Number three. Love others. Love others. Well, when Bennett heard that I was preaching this morning, he wanted to preach with me. So that, there you go. He is preaching with me. But yes. Those are our three points today. Receive God's love, love God, and love others. Now let's go back to 1 John 3, verse 1. And I'm going to read it in one other translation. Here's how the New Living says it. Dear friends, oh, sorry, wrong one. See how very much our Heavenly Father loves us, for he allows us to be called his children, and we really are. Here's how the Amplified puts it. See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, shown, bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. God calls us his children. Us, flawed, imperfect people who don't always get it right. People that don't always make the right choice. He didn't do it because it sounded good or it'd make him feel better about himself. He didn't do it because he thought it might be cool to have a lot of children. He did it because of his perfect love for us. He did it because that's what he knew we needed. That is something special. This legacy of love that he has left for us is so big that it didn't just exist in Bible times. It transcends history and is available for us to receive today. God made a way for us to be in relationship with us, but not just any relationship. He doesn't want to be distantly related to you. He doesn't want to be your crazy uncle. He doesn't want to be your long-lost grandfather. He doesn't want to be that third cousin you never see. 
He wants to be your father. Now, if you're a parent today, I can bet that one of the most special moments in your life was when your child first said your name, Mama, Dada. What an amazing moment, right? Then it said Mama first, and it just melted my heart and made me so proud. And it's an exceptional privilege to be called Mom. That's a big moment for a parent and a child. And I have to think that it's a big moment for God, too, when one of his children recognizes that he is a God of love and that he is their father. He's your father. What an extraordinary realization for us and for God when we recognize who he is to us. God worked hard for that title. He's gone through great lengths to prove to you that he is here, that he loves you, and that he's adopted you into his family. He has exemplified perfect, selfless love for us. And our job is to receive his love. That perfect gift of love only makes a difference in our life if we receive it. We can't just look at it. We can't just acknowledge it. Grab a hold of it and take it. It's ours. That's the only way it makes a difference in our life. Now, if you're anything like me, I found that receiving God's love is a process in my life. I received his love at salvation, but the depth of that love is something that he reveals to me season by season. Sometimes I'm really good at saying that God loves me, and my brain knows it, but my heart feels differently. And honestly, during tumultuous and difficult seasons of my life, I have to remind myself of God's love for me and accept it at a new and deeper level. Points number two and number three, love God and love others. Now, I have a revelation for you today. I know what your calling is here on this earth. Love. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 31. Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Your calling is to love God and love others. Love is central to who God is, and he wants it to be central to who we are. Love aligns us with God and his values. Now, in my Bible, these two verses are red. And the red verses in my Bible mean that Jesus said them. Jesus is giving us priorities for how to live. Center your life and your values on loving God and loving others, and you can't go wrong. Love God with your heart, your soul, mind, and strength. In other words, love God with your whole life, your values, your desires, your affections, your purpose, your will, your feelings, your character, and your thoughts. They should all reflect your love for God. God wants it all because he knows that a person who aligns their life to loving God 
with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, is a person who has surrendered and submitted to him. God says that not because he's trying to ruin our fun, but because he knows what's good and healthy for us. Choosing not to love God with a certain area of our life only leads to destruction and heartache for us. How did 1 John 4, 8 to 10 put it? We read it before, but let's see, see it again. But anyone who does not love God, who, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's grand plan of sending his son for us was devised out of his love for us. And loving God is a natural response when you receive God's love. Because accepting his love involves recognition of what God did. And how can you not love him when you realize all that he's done for you? When you are faced with the one who is love, love and return is a natural response. The harder part of this calling is to love others. I love how Bennett said it in the video. It was kind of like, love others. And that's, that's how we feel sometimes. We, it's easy to love God. He's good. He's awesome. He's done so much. But other people, that's the harder part. God is perfect, but others aren't. People fail us. People hurt us. They betray us. They can be annoying. They know how to get on our last nerve, right? So as we reflect back on that passage in Mark 12, where we heard our calling again, love your neighbor as yourself, if they are kind, if they deserve it. As long as they look like you, if it's convenient for you. Is that what the passage says? No. Can I hear it? Is that what the passage says? No. It says, love your neighbor as yourself, period. 1 John 3.11 said it this way. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And then in 1 John 4.7, which we read previously, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Those verses, they mean exactly what they say. They aren't cryptic. They mean love others. Love people when they're easy to love. Love people when it's hard to love them. Love people when it comes naturally to you and you're having a great day. And love people when it seems opposite of how you feel because you're having a bad day. Love others. Let's go deeper. 1 John 3.14 says... If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to eternal life, but a person who has no love is still dead. If you are not acting and responding in love, what does the word say? We're still dead. In other words, love from the heart is a true indication that something has changed deep within you. The question is, are we behaving in a manner that continually shows anger and hate? Have we really met God and allowed him to come into our life? When we spend time with God, who is the definition of love, love is a byproduct. When we spend time with Jesus, he reminds us of who he is and who he's created us to be. And I can guarantee that he hasn't created us to be bitter, mean-spirited, 
self-focused people. He's created us to leave a legacy of love. I adore how 1 John 4.12 puts it. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love has been brought to full expression through us. The Amplified says it this way. No man has at any time yet seen God, but if we love one another, God abides, lives, and remains in us, and his love, the love that is essentially his, is brought to completion to full maturity, runs its full course, is perfected in us. Loving others is a sign that God lives in us and is part of the fullness of life that God has for us. Christ's love is perfected in us when we love others. I don't know about you, but I want all that God has for me. So that means I need to love others. Be the love of Jesus to those people in your life. Do you have a spouse? Love them. Do you have friends? Love them. Do you have a family? Love them. Do you have neighbors? Love them. Do you have coworkers? Love them. Love, when, love them when they're easy and when they're hard to love. Get good at loving people like Jesus. Speak to them with kindness and respect. Be concerned about their needs. Be there for them. Listen to them. Here's the truth. When you receive God's love and love God, you have the ability to love other people. Let me say it again. When you receive God's love and love God, you have the ability to love other people. Those two things, receiving God's love and loving God, are what even make it possible for us to leave a legacy to those around us. It's our choices that help us to leave a legacy of love, right? Day by day, hour by hour, and on the hard days, minute by minute. One decision at a time. One day at a time one season at a time. It's our choice. When we focus on God, loving him and loving others, we can leave a legacy of love. I'd like to introduce you to someone today. Hi, my name's Heather Click, and for five years of my life, I felt invisible to God. Our five-year struggle with infertility left me feeling like God didn't see me. I know that at some point, Pastor Spencer will share his side of the story, but for today, I'm sharing mine. Honestly, this five-year time period was one of the hardest in my life. Mother's Day was the hardest day for me. Most times, I hid in kids' church, for the service because I didn't want to come to the sanctuary to, to admit how I was really feeling. It was easier just to keep myself busy. I didn't want to be greeted with something that was so painful for me. I just couldn't handle it. And sometimes, sometimes on Mother's Day, the day is still hard for me 
because I grieve with, with other people, people who are experiencing a mom being gone or infertility or miscarriage or losing a child or even, even people who, have, uh, who had a mom who wasn't there for them growing up. Mother's Day can be really hard. So if you fit into one of those categories, today my heart goes out to you. Five years of infertility struggles felt like a lifetime, especially when I was in the middle of it. It created so much stress and anxiety in every area of my life. I cried out to the Lord time after time, and still nothing happened, making me feel as though I were hidden from God or unknown by Him. I felt invisible to God. We went through testing and procedures, but in the end, there was no baby to hold. It's a horrible, horrible cycle of waiting and let down. And in the end, infertility produced in me doubt that God really loved me and doubt that he saw my pain. I was so good at telling other people that God loved them, but horrible about believing it and receiving it when it came to, to me. I had known Christ and loved him for as long as I could remember, but this season in my life brought me to a new place where I couldn't see or feel his love for me anymore. And then we started to pursue adoption. It took a year to do the applications, the paperwork, the classes, the home study, and every tedious thing that goes into adoption. And six months later, a series of miracles unfolded. Join with me. Miraculously, we got, through a, we got a call from our adoption agency that there was a mom who decided over the weekend that she was not able to parent her child. She'd used drugs and alcohol during her pregnancy and wanted a better life for her son that involved two loving parents. She was already dilated to two and could deliver any day. Miraculously, we chose a name in one day. And you all know how divisive names can be. We had one name and that was it. Miraculously, God prompted Spencer to start an online fundraising campaign for the adoption costs and we raised $15,000 in 10 hours. Miraculously, we made it down to Arkansas just a few days later, in, just in time. We were there for 24 hours in our attorney's office when we got the call that Bennett's mom was going into labor. Miraculously, we got to hold our son 30 minutes after he was born and meet his birth mom and birth dad. Miraculously, Bennett's birth dad signed off on his parental rights. Miraculously, Bennett's birth mom committed her heart to giving Bennett up for adoption, even when family members tried to convince her otherwise. Miraculously, we took custody of our son 24 hours after he was born. Miraculously, his birth mom didn't change her mind in the 14-day window that the state of Arkansas allows moms to do so. Miraculously, we went from being childless to being parents in the span of one week. And those aren't even all of the miracles. You see, God was weaving his legacy of love throughout every fiber of my story. I was never invisible to God. It's just that he was orchestrating every detail behind the scenes. And he couldn't reveal the whole picture until the time was right. 
what I felt before, that I wasn't loved or blessed by God, that I was hidden from God, that I was invisible, couldn't have been farther from the truth. But looking back now, do you know what God was asking me to do during that time of waiting and heartache? Just love him. Just receive his love and love him. Because if we love him, we see we can trust him. And I wish that I can say that during my season of waiting, I was full of faith and that I didn't doubt him. That's not the case. What I can tell you now is that I look back on that season when times get hard and I have a reminder of how much God loves me. He performed all of those miracles and those miraculous things because he loves me. He loves Spencer and he loves Bennett and he knew that we would be the perfect match. It just took some time to get there. I will never again doubt God's love for me. I have received it and claimed it as my own. I shared my testimony today because someone in this room needed to hear, hear it. They're in a season of struggle, and today you need to know that God loves you. God is asking you today to receive his love and love him back because your miracle is on the way. As I invite the musicians back up, I'd like to go back. If we can just put on the screen that Psalm 136. That's that first responsive reading that we read. And my Bible states a theme for that chapter. And the theme is the never-ending story of God's love. The never-ending story of God's love. We are part of the never-ending story of God's love. And God is right now weaving his legacy through the fabric of our lives. Do you see that? Do you need to feel that today? Are you in a season where God's love is hard to see and you need to be reminded of the truth? He's inviting you to receive his love. And he's also inviting us to join him in leaving a legacy of love. The reality is, we leave a legacy no matter what. The question is, will we be intentional about the one that we do leave? Are we going to leave the kind of legacy that Christ left for us, a legacy that's filled with loving others? If I can have our altar workers come forward. I know we've got a, a few fun things to do here in a few minutes with our moms, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to pray with people who need a touch from the Lord today. God is faithful and God is love, and he wants to meet you where you're at today. So stand with me today. I'd like you to close your eyes. I'm going to pray a scripture over you. That's found in Ephesians 3.18. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ 
Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you, be, you will be filled with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Thank you, Lord, for your word today, the word for your church today. Thank you that, Lord, you're weaving your legacy of love through our lives with the intent of us receiving your love, loving you back, and loving others, and continuing that legacy of love. And Lord, sometimes there are seasons in our journey that are really difficult, but I hear your voice today saying that you are wanting to meet us as we wait on you. Speak to us today, Lord. Remind us of your continual presence in our lives so we join you in leaving a legacy of love. Amen. Now, Pastor Spencer will be dismissing the service in just a few minutes, but right now is your time. Don't wait another minute if you need prayer. The altar's open for you to come if you need time with just him and you. Or if you need someone to agree with you in prayer, let's come. Come and pray. Let's stand on the word of God together that says he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. So as the worship team continues to pray, come to the altar and let's pray together.